Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time, and she's Stacey Mitchell. And we've got super agent, special guest here from our team, Lindsay Wark with an A, W-A-R-K. You can follow Lindsay on Instagram at Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y underscore Wark, W-A-R-K. And Nick is behind the camera. And we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group with Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we're streaming live every single week on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Just look up. Tom Tool Sales Group. I feel like we only talk about interest rates on this show anymore. Is this, is this, been, this has been the trend. Of, and, but, but it's a hot topic, right? So over the weekend, we saw some really interesting data come out around unemployment. Um, the number of jobs continued to rise in November, and unemployment remained unchanged from the month prior, holding steady at 3.7% with roughly 6.0 million people that are currently unemployed. This data is a little skewed because obviously it includes like 18-year-olds and not everyone reports they're unemployed in, in some cases. And as a result, what happened from this? Because this is good news. The Fed's been driving unemployment. They want that number to go up, which I still don't understand. That's a whole other story. Interest rates and the bond market kind of retreated, and we saw mortgage rates drop into the low 6% range. So what do you guys think about all this? Yeah, that's exciting news. Um, you know, seeing it go down to the low sixes um, and just the fact that it's been going down rather than up when, you know, even a month ago, a couple weeks ago, we weren't sure which which way it was going to go. I mean, it's it's exciting news both for people being employed and um, for for rates dipping and making, you know, buyer affordability stronger. Yeah, I anytime the interest rates continue to drop, it's always positive news to me. Um, I'm just always intrigued by these unemployment numbers and where they come mm -hmm. from. I would love to have a more broken down, like where do they capture these numbers from? Who are they getting it from? There's a lot of people that don't, um, they might not record, like you said, or report their employment, sure. so they could be considered unemployed. I don't know. There's a lot of people that are employed in very unconventional ways, so I guess mm -hmm. they're not employed. Um, self-employed so you know there's a lot of gig workers and um, you know online businesses so it's always intriguing to me that they continuously try to change these and influence these numbers and I, what something has told us over uh, the past couple of years is you, you it's hard to predict what's going to happen nobody mm. knew that COVID was going to happen Nobody could predict that we were going to shut down the country. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, shut down a country? That's like the world. the world, right. So everything's very unpredictable. They still try to predict these things and, and go by the same standards. Um, so to me, what they're trying to achieve might not be achievable, mm -hmm. even though they are honestly trying to get the economy to go in a negative direction uh, with the unemployment. They're trying to you know, um, inflict <laughs> pain on people, as harsh as that sounds, but it is the truth. Um, because they want people to, they want the unemployment rate to rise. And in order to do that, people have to become unemployed. So there has to be layoffs, mm -hmm. stop the spending, drops the interest, I mean, the inflation rate. And then, I mean, there. I think it's really aggressive that they want the inflation rate to be in the 2%. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. So I don't know how they're going to achieve that without severe, severe economical peril. So here's how they calculate the unemployment rate. So I took some Google research here. So this comes from Investopedia, and the unemployment rate, um, it's not measured by the people collecting unemployment insurance. That's not how they do it. So the unemployment rate is measured by the Department of Labor. Uh, it's actually the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And this government agency conducts a monthly survey called the Current Population Survey that involves 60,000 households. And these households are selected using random sampling to uh, generate an approximation as close as possible to the larger population. The problem with this is there's 333 million people in the U.S. So they're taking 60,000. And then once they take that 60,000, they have to determine how many people in the household are part of the labor force. So if you've got an 18-year-old kid at home, like that can be factored in. If you have you know, younger kids, that's, that's not going to be factored in. So uh, that, that's how they determine it, and they just use a straight percentage. So it's probably not the most accurate thing. I think to your point, Stacey, getting inflation down to 2% is going to be tough because a lot of people, like 3 to 5% is kind of the norm, and that's what we've seen with housing price appreciation in a normal market. So I just don't know what the, the Fed's going to do to drive that further because it seems like the market's reacting the way they want. Inflation data was softer in October. That caused mortgage rates to come down from like seven and a quarter to 6.5. The Fed uh, meeting is coming up next week, and they're talking about only a 50 basis point increase instead of 75. That's like a 76% chance according to the uh, CME uh, rate predictor tool that's out there. So I don't see how they can keep pushing this rate policy if this data continues. I mean, am I, am I off base here, or what, what, are, what are you guys seeing? That's what's not making sense to me. Right. I Yeah. The 60,000 people sampling, uh, now I understand. It's so antiquated. You would think that um, they would try to update the way they measure these numbers. Mm-hmm. Come, in, come into, right. you know, 2022. Right. <laughs> they had a lot of time during the shut shutdowns, you know, to really yeah. dig in. Yeah. <laughs> to reconfigure some things the way they... Um, sample but yes that makes sense to me now how they're getting these numbers because that a 60,000 person sampling or household sampling it does make sense and then I mean do we know what percentage of the people so you have your unemployment rate and then what percent do we know what percentage of those people collect uninsurance unemployment like payment benefits because it would be you know I if the Fed wants that unemployment number to go up to then drive down spending, to have that, you know, battle inflation, depending on what percentage of people in that category do get unemployment benefits and unemployment payments, and I don't know exactly how that, like, factors into what percentage of payment for your job you get, but, you know, if you're still collecting a, an income or, like, I don't know. Right. It would be harder to battle it out. The gig workers and there's a lot of side hustles that don't necessarily report. So sure. there's a lot of money in the economy mm-hmm. still. Yeah. So right. people are still spending. Yeah. So with the supply and demand, if people are spending and there's demand, it's gonna there's gonna be inflation. Mm-hmm. But you even said you looked at the data from Black Friday mm-hmm. and the spending was way, way down. Yeah, it was only up one percent. But considering, I mean, 1%, and this is just online sales, but if you looked at some of the sales coming out Black Friday, there's no data on that. It was like 50% off everything. Like, it, it was, 
Um, so because of that, and knowing that inflation was as high as 8%, it's still below, way below their forecast, and they had to give heavy discounts. So the profitability's not there, and that's what people aren't talking, just because the volume's there, like, that doesn't really matter. It's like, no different than the real estate team that has all this volume, and their profit percentage is 1%. Well, who cares how many houses you're selling? So I think that's going to be the, 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 the challenge here for a lot of retailers. Um, and retailers are facing um, some tough times, too, because mm-hmm. of all the retail theft. So I think what... Um, what was Target? They it was like four hundred million dollar, yeah, in retail theft. So are you kidding me? Th- it was huge. It was a huge, huge number. And this is another thing that people aren't talking about because it doesn't that factor into it somehow. I mean, right. no wonder retailers have to, you know, they el- they increase their prices, but then they still have to give the discounts for, you know, yeah, for the holiday, you know, the spending. But retail theft is huge. It's been a big issue for a lot. I mean, there's like Walgreens are shutting down in certain places. I don't. There was Starbucks that shut down in. in How do you steal from Starbucks? But I'm just saying. But but the retail, like the stores, like Uh, Ulta, Target, Walmart. I mean, they're they're closing stores in certain areas that are affected by this crime because it's cheaper for them to shut down the stores than to continuously try to restock and yeah brick and mortar has already been on its way out for a little while now too so just having all of this on top of it i feel like it's huge yeah i mean i don't go to stores i don't know about you guys i mean i like shopping for like you know like food is one thing like you want to go pick out like whatever you're making and all that but i can't remember the last time i went to a store and i was like great i'm going to target or i'm really excited to go to the mall today like it's just not something i'm interested in that's really interesting so to answer your question the adjusted uninsured the adjusted insured unemployment rate was 1.1% for the week ending November 19th, according to the U.S. Department of Labor. So it looks like not everyone's collecting, even though the, the rate's higher, which makes sense, because I don't think a lot of people go and they say they want to collect and they, they want to do all that, especially when they're looking for another job. So it's, it's about a third, I guess we can call it a little less than that. So, you know, w- with all this, I think there, there's the, re- the retail thing is a whole other angle. When I'm looking at this, I mean, I see that the the rates came down, right? So it looks like the Fed is kind of the last one to the party here. So what does this mean for consumers? And and that's what this show is all about here. People buying homes and looking to sell homes. Are we going to see rates continue to trend this way? Are they going to go back up after the first? I mean, I think this meeting is going to be really important that comes up on December 14th for the Federal Reserve. So how do we see this playing out? Because a couple weeks ago, we were talking about 8%, 9% mortgage rates. I don't know how viable that is now. I'll be the first one to say we might have been wrong there. Uh, what, what, what are you guys anticipating happens, looking at uh, all the data here, reading this article on Housing Wire from uh, Logan Matashami and all, all their great uh, their authors and, and, and experts over there? What do we think happens the rest of the year and early January? I think that they're going to – I think there's a chance they could creep up a little bit after this meeting. What, it's on the 14th? Mm-hmm. So I think after that meeting, they could creep up a little bit. But I think that we've, for a little while, had the prediction. Like, I don't think the prediction has changed for the last couple weeks of going up 50 basis points. So Mm -hmm. I think the market has already kind of banked on that and maybe factored that into things a little bit. So we could see a slight uptick, but I don't see anything major happening from that particular meeting on the 14th. I have to agree with that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I don't know if it's my wishful thinking or not. Right, right, right. But I I really think that um, the interest rates are going to hover in the same area here where they are. Yeah. I think especially to kick into the new year. Um, When they ticked into the sevens, 
and the mortgage application rates dropped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was a that was a real eye opener. Yeah. And a lot of the mortgage companies, you know, they everybody's come to realize this is not gonna this is not gonna be helpful. Right. So um, being in I think this is the sweet spot. The low sixes mm-hmm. is a sweet spot because people yeah. came back into the fold of wanting to, you know, go out and look for homes again. Uh, so I think that's where it's going to continue to stay. And I think that's really reassuring and like a safety for the buyers, like especially yeah. knowing that like, okay, we're hopefully not going to see huge swings anymore. You're kind of, this is where you're at. And if the payments match what you can do, this is, you know, they know that this is where it's going to stay. And along with the unemployment not going up, you know that you're not about to lose your job, you know? So I feel like that mm-hmm. that's huge of like a safety for buyers to feel comfortable, you know, rejoining the market um, when they had previously pulled out. Yeah, and I think that not having big swings on like a weekly basis makes you feel um, like you're not making a mistake by going in and like entering the market and and getting the rate where it is right now. It's not because when you do have that uncertainty of like, well, next week it might drop up, you know, a full percentage point or something like that. Like it's, um, you know, it, it creates doubt. Plus those big swings, uh, what we saw during that time when they went up so incredibly um, quickly, there was a lot of terminations of mm-hmm. contracts yeah. because yeah. buyers couldn't afford then what they initially got into. So I think just to keep everything kind of even keel and smooth, <laughs> those big jumps, it's definitely not good for the market. When you look at the October data, I mean, October sales were down dramatically. We saw a 17% cancellation rate in the month of October nationally. So everything you're saying is supported. That, that's a very high cancellation rate. Um, when it comes to the jobs, what I'm seeing here is that if you look at um, April of 2020, um, we, we, a ton of jobs were lost during, during the pandemic. And we recovered all those jobs by September of 2022. And job openings were still over 10 million at that time. So and if you look at the, the breakdown of the employment change in each sector that's seasonally adjusted through November, the biggest place where we're losing jobs is retail trade, transport, transportation, and warehousing. It's all the other, like education, leisure hospitality, government, financial activities, uh, construction, manufacturing. We're seeing big increases there. So it's a lot of these industries that are, to me, ripe for disruption, and people have kind of gone away from over the past two, three, four years. Because when the pandemic happened, a lot of people... Like they made the decision not going to leave their house anymore. I think there's a lot of more sedentary uh, human beings in the U.S. and in the world than there have been in the past. So, and then what I love here is we actually, if you only count people who are 20 and up, the unemployment rate's 3.4 percent for men and 3.3 percent for women. I, eight, an 18 or 19 year old without a job, like if they're in college, like fine, like they shouldn't. I, I don't know that that's even. I. So the people that don't go to college, so it's, it, but I, you gotta, you gotta kind of put an asterisk next to it. It's got to be adjusted, and you can make data say whatever you want. So seeing that we've recovered all the jobs, that you know, this is where the market was heading before the pandemic. I think everyone forgets this. Before that, we were seeing five percent rates. Four percent was was kind of like if you got like below five, it was a big deal. And and so because of all this, this looks like where the economy would have been had the pandemic not happened. Remember, the government came in and put a lot of cash in the system and did a lot of different things. So that's why we're seeing th- they they made this housing run happen with a lot of their policy. And now folks are realizing that's not that you can't, it's not sustainable. I mean, we've been through all that. So first quarter outlook, are we going to see more people come back into the market? Are rates going to stabilize? Are they going to go down even more? 
what, what, what are our predictions here? Because I think that's what a lot of people want to know. And this is the questions. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm getting asked a lot. I know our agents are asking a lot. I'm sure consumers are asking you this stuff. What kind of questions are you getting? And, and how, how are we fielding them right now? Because there is a lot of uncertainty in the marketplace, even with the good news. Um, I think there's going to be, come January, I think there's going to be an uptick in, you know, both buyers and sellers. Um, I think that there are people that for this, you know, end of year are, they're like, I'm going to, I'm going to re reconvene here uh, come January. So I think that we're going to see things tick up there. As far as rates go, I think we're still going to be in the, I think we're going to be in the sixes, um, hopefully low sixes for the first quarter. Um, and that's, that's my prediction. <laughs> I feel that there's a lot of folks waiting till um, early next year to mm -hmm. come back into the market. Um, I think there's some fatigue out there, you know, with the, the head spinning of the interest rates and the election. There's so There was so much going on. It was very distracting. So people just want to chill for a little bit. They're taking some time. And I think there, it's, there's going to be a, a lot of people coming back in um, early next year. Buyers and sellers. And I think the interest rates are going to stay about the same in the low to mid sixes, which is very, very positive. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I know, like, historically, the beginning of the year, the spring market is, you know, always picks up. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be another um, really wild ride for this, <laughs> for this spring market, especially if it stabilizes and everyone knows where everything's at. People are going to people are going to jump for sure. Yeah, there's been this constant waiting, I, I felt, the past. There's some people that jumped in, and they transacted, and they're probably pretty happy they did, given what's happened with the market. There's these other folks that are just so gun-shy right now. They're so uncertain, and it's like those overly analytical people or the ones that are just afraid to make a decision. I, I think that, that's been a big challenge in the marketplace here. So what I anticipate happening is I, I think rates are going to kind of float around six. I don't, I don't think that's going to change too much, especially seeing the market react before the Fed meeting. I like that because that tells me the market knows what's going on. There's certainty about what's going to happen, and it's not this – because it was kind of a surprise when they raised uh, rates in the spring, 75 basis points on the federal funds rate. That was a big surprise. Now there's no surprises. I don't like surprises in business personally. I like to know what's coming. I like certainty. And consumers want the same thing. So the consumers out there that if they're really serious, I'd be like starting, to, starting my search or selling process now. I think it's a mistake to wait for after January, after February, because then you're playing catch up to the market. People don't listen to this. I say it every single year. And every single year, the people that are in the market in January, they get a little ahead, they can beat the competition, and they're a little more savvy with, with market conditions. So if you're one of those people that wants like a Q1, Q2 move, I'd be meeting with, with an agent right now, a local agent who knows the market. For the realtor side, this is not the time of year to go like on like a 30-day like a bender with an ugly sweater and drink an eggnog all month. Uh, and I mean that seriously because... There is opportunity out there. There's people with intent. I mean, uh, you know, we're talking about writing offers. Listings are selling that didn't sell a month or two ago. You had one this week that you just put under contract that was with another agent, Sarah. So we're seeing this stuff happen all the time. I'd be filling up my pipeline as much as I can. I think this is the best time of year. In fact, I know it is to have conversations, set meetings, and get. St and maybe you don't list until after the first of the year. Maybe they don't buy something until after the first of the year. It doesn't matter. You're going to be locked in as their agent. So when the first of the year comes, they're going to have the relationship and you're locked in. There's business to be done right now. And a lot of agents just aren't used to having that 30, 60, 90 day lead up to a transaction. That's how it's been as long as I've been doing this, except the past two years. And that, that's where the challenge is going to come. So I see the month of December as something that's ripe with opportunity. And I'd be taking full advantage if I was a consumer 
and if I was a real estate agent. I, I mean, that, that's, that's just my take on it. So anything we want to add in here before we take a quick break? Did we say it all? I mean, I think that pretty much, I think that like covered a lot of things. I think that, yeah, for the, especially like on the listing side, well, both sides. I mean, if you're on the, the buying side and you want to come out like guns blazing for, mm -hmm. let's say you are like, I'm waiting until after the holidays, but January 2nd, let's say, you want to like head out there, get your ducks in a row now because there's going to be a sure. lot of individuals that are putting themselves in that same boat. So like getting like a couple days head start on them can make the difference. And for people that are considering listing their home, there is prep that goes into it. It's not like, all right, I met with my listing agent today and I'm going to list my house tomorrow. Like you can have super quick like turnovers, right. but if you want to have the right marketing plan in place, you want to have time to do like little things to kind of increase that showability of your home, like start talking now so that you mm -hmm. can you can go with like at the beginning of the year. For sure. Well said. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. And that goes for the P's. consumer too. <laughs> it's an alliteration. I had to practice that. But uh, it's it, it's so true. These agents, these, how many times have you seen the consumer like, oh, I want to go buy this house. It's my dream home, Lindsay. Yeah. And they have nothing done. Right. Or I got to sell my house right now because I got to buy this other home. Right. And they have nothing. It's, 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 it's an impossible task mm -hmm. to win in the marketplace because the best homes always sell quickly. And if you think it's just your dream home, I got news for you. It's somebody else's dream home, too. So that's really great advice. And I mean, we've seen that happen. It, it never works. It's the people that prep are going to be the ones that can take advantage. So I, I think that's, that's a great message, Sarah. And anyone listening right now that wants to do that, get in touch with an agent, understand that, because that's going to be your best way to understand what's happening in the market. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the naughty and nice list in real estate for 2022. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. For the best local mortgage service and great rates on your money, look no further than Mortgage America. We've been operating in the greater Philadelphia area for 40 years with a focus on smooth, easy access to home purchasing. Whether you're a first-time buyer, upsizing or downsizing, or just refinancing, we have programs for you. We also have closing cost assistance programs and access to subsidized interest rates. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. To learn more, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. We always have a person available to take your call with around-the-clock human service. Purchase your home with the personalized local service you find at Mortgage America. Mortgage America is an equal housing lender, NMLS 128501. The Tom Tool Sales Group is the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania with over $165 million in volume for 2021. I'm Tom Tool, and our team has achieved that kind of success by being a great place to work with and to work for. No one knows Greater Philly better than we do. We know real estate, but more importantly, we're real people. We hire the best agents, and we give them all the tools to succeed. Even our brand-new agents sell 17 to 24 homes a year because our team delivers the best experience in real estate. Teams deliver a better experience than individuals, and we're a top 1% real estate team in the country. We call it AAA service. We're your advocate, ally, and advisor. Because this isn't a transaction to us. It's a relationship. If you're buying or selling a home, call the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX main line at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. That's TomTool.com. E Sell your home for more and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. 
When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. We are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time, and she's Stacy Mitchell. And we have super agent team member in the house, Lindsay Wark. And Nick is behind the camera. And we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we're streaming live every single week on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Make sure to subscribe. Follow and check out our stream every single week. So it's the holiday season, right? We should have worn ugly sweaters for this or some sort of plaid blazer or plaid pants or something like that. I, I find this year-end stuff always pretty interesting because it seems like January and February was like more than a year ago. I mean, it, it seems like it was very far back. And similar to our turkeys of the year, this is a little different. The naughty and nice list for the real estate industry in 2022. So... Who, who's got somebody? Who wants to start? I've got a ton of things here. We can go nice. We can go naughty first. I mean, I, you, you, you tell me. But I, I thought this would be a good way to review some of the key players in the industry and some of the people that are you know, helping folks on a daily basis. Well, I'll start out with uh, someone on my nice list, and that would be a cooperating agent that's working alongside me with a deal <laughs> that actually actually knows what they're doing. You know what I mean? That would make my nice list. And that could probably go to that sales skills. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But um, that's always so helpful when you get someone on the other side and you're like, oh, my goodness. Yay, thank you. Thank you so much because we're going to be able to get through this. Yeah. Somebody that, you know, yeah. doesn't have the highs and lows and p- actually picks up the phone or gets back to you with the right. important information. Yeah, so that made the nice list. Yeah, that's a really good one because I, I think the the key term there is cooperating agent. Like you're not w- at war with these people. You're here to get to a common goal, and a lot of agents forget that they want to be abrasive, they want to be nasty. They, they they sometimes they talk down to folks, or they tell you how long they've been in the business. I'm like, I, I don't care. I mean, it it doesn't matter. You know, a, a agent in the business six months could be just as good, if not better, than someone in the business fifteen years. So. That's a really great point, especially in the market we're moving into, Stacey, because I, I'm clear that agents with skills and the ones who can understand how to get a deal done are going to be even more valuable, especially for their clients. Great point. Love that. What else we got here, ladies? Yeah, well, this um, is just kind of taking a piece of that, but people that answer their phone and respond to you. Okay, like, I like that. That just, it makes everything go so much smoother. Like the worst feeling is when you, like there's a deadline due or there's something you need an answer for and you're just not getting the response and you can't move forward with anything until you get that. And you're just like refreshing your email or like checking your phone and you're like, get back to me. Mm -hmm. So people that respond. (laughs) You think about this though. I mean, and you're talking about clients specifically, they've got these deadlines. I know you've had some people like this where it's like, okay, we got got a time frame to do this and they push it so far. It, it, you know, it can't, and it's like literally minutes before you're supposed to respond to something. You're writing an addendum at like 10, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. To me, that adds unnecessary stress to them. Forget us. It makes it harder for them the way they, the way they treat these things. I don't know why people want to go through that. I, I want to be as least stressed as possible in these transactions, not the other way around. So that, that, that's a really great point because I see it happen all the time. Lindsay, you got any people on the nice list here? 
Um, I would say, or like even working with like the t- like title companies, like so communication in that same sense, like mm-hmm. working with the title companies and lenders and things like that. Those also, if we're sticking with the communication kind of thing, um, those are can be really frustrating sometimes. So making sure that you know, even on your end, the organization that you mm-hmm. need to make sure that you're keeping track of everything, um, so that you can you know work with the nice people. I, I love that because it, it, there there is it, it is a team effort to get these things to settlement, right? And I don't think it's not ju- it's not just title companies; it's mortgage companies yeah. too, right? Like the lender you can never get a hold of, yeah. and they only email you back. Does that ever help? Yeah. Never, yeah. right? So that that I, communication there, there's a theme here, right? And I, I think that that that's pretty good. Um, excellent point because it's everyone and everyone blames the realtor. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter if the t- like I I picked my own title company; they're not calling anybody back, and it's your fault. Yeah. Or they're mad at you because you, you they made a decision they don't like now, and it's your fault. Do you remember when I told you not to do like it? So I find that pretty interesting. So I got a couple here. Um, one guy we just talked about. So Logan Matashami at Housing Wire. I feel like he's really helped folks, and and it, his articles are long and they're very detailed. It's helped people like me really understand what all this Fed rate hike climate has been like, how to interpret economic signs, and it's, it hasn't been easy, but it's helped me communicate that to our consumers and to the people on our team and he's really like i mean he's posting something every like two or three days here this isn't like a once a week sort of thing and and this has been like a day-to-day market with what's going on with all these economic uh uncertainties that that are out there right now and to me he has been one of the voices of reason in a world full of clickbait fake headlines about what's going on in the market uh i mean we talk about him i feel like every week on the show how how have you how have you guys been able to because I'm sending you his articles all the time has that helped you understand the market a little better from like an economic standpoint? Absolutely, keeps me in real time, so so that I can pass this along all this great information along to my clients. Love it. Knowledge broker. Knowledge Woo-hoo! broker, right? <laughs> no, I mean, and you could put keeping current matters in there. I think they they provide a very similar service. Absolutely. Um, Tom Ferry, obviously, we work with him, and he he's you know he's always pushing understand the market because if you don't understand it, you can't communicate about it, and. There's agents out there right now, and this will maybe a good transition to the naughty list, that they don't know what the heck is going on. And can you imagine relying on them for like economic, like you're spending a $700,000 purchase, an $800,000 purchase, and relying on those people to tell, and I don't know. I mean, literally, what if, what if, yeah. if you would have said that to one of your clients, what, their, what would their reaction have been? They would have dropped you. Yeah. Someone who can actually help them. They're not gonna. This is a huge purchase. This is one of their biggest assets. They need someone who knows what they're doing, knows what it means when you purchase a home, and how that whole process is gonna go. Um, and yeah, they're gonna drop you if you don't. Well as, said, Lindsay. As they should. <laughs> All right. So we got the nice list. I think that kind of covers it. We hit on sales skills and the go. I think competent agents who are working on their business is kind of the theme that I'm hearing here. So let's go to the other side, the naughty list. So what, who, who, who's, on, uh, who's getting coal in their stocking this year from Santa Claus? Well, number one would be the Fed, that's for sure. <laughs> I like it. So tell us why, Stace. Because they are, um, it, what they're trying to do to the economy, they're trying to so much bring the inflation rate down uh, to probably an unreasonable level in a very short period of time. So it's wreaking havoc. It's... it's um, a lot of folks are uncertain. So creating that uncertainty, I think, is worse. So for the feds to not be on board, to, to they seem so out of touch with everything. Um, to me, they definitely made the naughty list as, on a whole, the whole feds. 
how do you feel about their rhetoric that they're trying to crash the housing market? Because I, 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 I know, it's, that's so disappointing to yeah. me. I, I just don't, that whole language, and I've read that numerous places, and it, it was said, you know, sorry, people have, there's going to be pain. People have to lose jobs. So to me, it's just disappointing that you would ever do something so negative against, yeah. you know, people. There's, it's painful. A lot of people's nest egg is in their house, and I'm, I'm not. And I'm not saying that's the right investment strategy. It's just but the it's reality the, the of truth. what happens. Yeah, it's the truth. and there's, there's a lot of folks that really feel pain there, and and it's, uh, you know, that that their their whole goal is they sell their house, they go retire somewhere, they have a lot of equity in there. So, it, it's almost like we're I, sometimes I feel like we're selling the American dream because like everyone's like it's such a big deal for people to buy a home, and 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 if you're saying hey we're gonna crash that market, good luck. Like what what. I mean, that's the government's supposed to be supporting its citizens, not the other way around. So I, I do agree with you. It, it is dis- disappointing. It's a great word to explain it. And there's there's the folks that I really am concerned about, the ones that are, are maybe they're the first person in their fo- whole entire family trying to buy a house, trying to build, um, you know, a better future for their children and grandchildren. I talk to folks like that a lot. And to me, you know, if they're shut out of the market, that's – that's devastating. How can they build their generational wealth? How can they get started? Yeah. And that'll affect the, the next generation. Absolutely. Too. It's not, it's Absolutely. not just, you know, something small. That's yeah. huge. It's huge. That's a great point. I would say another one for the naughty list would be, like, news channels or news sources that do put forward those, like, clickbait um, <laughs> headlines that, yeah. that um, yeah. you know, confuse people and, like, just – you know, rather than the news being a source that brings knowledge and like understanding of what's going on, it creates chaos. So I would say like purposefully creating these like clickbait headlines or this different like jargon and rhetoric that isn't actually what is is going on. Well, I think news has gotten commingled with opinion journalism. Okay, so there there was news and then there's opinion journalism, which appears to be news but it's not Mm -hmm. so i think and that's what is a lot of the clickbait Mm -hmm. it's a lot of these you know exactly not based on facts not based on data it's just based on somebody's opinion Mm -hmm. or what they thought would get clicks Mm -hmm. you know make them some money build their audience so i think that that's a disservice to to our country to people who want to to actually just listen just news just give me the news with no inflection in your voice with no, you know, right. no opinion. Right. Just, just read what's the happening. News. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's it. I feel like that's been gone for a while. <laughs> yeah. So like Jim Gardner, right from six ABC, he's retiring this year. So he's been, I mean, he's the only guy I ever remember on, on and I, I'm a big action. I like action news for a lot of reasons. Um, he's that guy. He's that guy. There's not many people left like him. No. And I, I think that's where it, it becomes challenging because, a lot of people have, like, I mean, you look at these political talk show hosts. Like, it's either, you know what you're getting watching these channels. And it's either, like, if you want to get one side, go watch this channel. If you want to get the other side, go watch this channel. Yeah, and where's the channel for just what's happening? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's Jim Gardner, and he's retiring. That's it. So. And he doesn't talk about this stuff anyway. He's talking about, all, you know, what's like a kangaroo escaping from the zoo or something. So it's, uh, I, that's a great point. And I, I, how, how does that, how hard does that make your job? Oh, it's very difficult. We're all be here. Yeah. 
you, I mean, you're you just deal with it all the time. It all the time. All the time. It's like, just are, they saw it on the news, and so the news is the expert and not you. When you're, when we're the ones dealing with it every day, when we're the ones doing mm-hmm. all the research, you know, well, someone was on TV or someone wrote an article. So, it, you know, they're automatically, may, they think of them a little bit higher right. yeah. um, or more knowledgeable. Uh, so it's, it's really hard trying to give them the facts and send them the correct articles or correct stories. And, um, yeah, it's difficult. You know, it's unfortunate because realtors get a bad rap in a lot of cases because they just try to jam home deals. And that's obviously not anyone sitting at the table here. It's not how we operate our organization. But then you have this stuff happen on top of it. And then they really don't trust you. And then, then your actions have to back it up. And it's like a constant interview. So I, I, that, that's a great point, Sarah and Lindsay. I think that that's, that's probably one of the all, every single news outlet. I mean, literally, you could just group them all in there. Getting truckloads of coal. Truckloads, yeah. Santa's not coming to their house. No way. The Santa tracker's not going. All right, we got. Any, I, I got a couple others. Any anything else you, you ladies wanted to add in here? I think something naughty could be like the bad habits that so many realtors picked up when the market was just. Wild. Well said. <laughs> um, There's so many different bad habits that you know whether it's just like sloppy listings or you know just lack of communication, lack of no- negotiating skills, just the lack of skills in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I think needs to go. They're on the naughty list. It's all getting whole. It's it makes everyone's job so difficult. <laughs> well, you said something. We just had a coaching session right before this, Lindsay, and you said something there that was actually I, I think it's so. Smart and Stacy, you've told them this to me, and so have you. And you guys probably don't even realize this. You look very impressed with yourself here, Sarah. I don't know um, what this great so knowledge is. But. It's, I don't need more leads. I need to work the leads that I have. There are so many people out there like I want more opportunities. I want more leads. I want and it's it's a numbers game. These leads convert at a certain rate. Like there, there's there's an expectation. Maybe you can squeeze out a percentage point here or there. Having a thousand leads versus having two hundred, I'd rather have two hundred every time that I know I'm going to work. Um, and, and that, that there's so many agents out there that don't want to do the work. They don't want to follow up because think about what's going on on the other side here. It was easy to do deals the past two years and and the deals were still hard. Don't get me wrong. It was easier to put yourself in a position to do a deal because the buyers had so much intent. The sellers had so much intent. They knew that what they were getting into. And if one lead didn't work out, you could just catch another one. There was a waterfall of opportunities. We saw 18% more homes sell above the historical average than ever before in 2021. Well, now it's kind of the opposite. And when you can build a relationship, be the expert, you know, it's not about having all, you want to have a good amount in your client base, but it's not having all the opportunities. It's working the ones you have. And that's right in line with what you're talking about, because I, I see a lot of agents make this mistake. They want to take all the leads and they convert none of them. And that it's just it's just a it's it, it's a bad habit. It's like going to bed late when your parents tell you to go to sleep, like happens in my house all the time. I don't know about your guys, but that's 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 a common theme in mine. You don't eat your vegetables, you don't brush your teeth. Like that's an agent bad habit that will cause major problems here. And I think that that's a, and, and it's right in line with what you're talking about. It just some folks think I just need all the leads, and they, and they, they want to collect leads instead of do do deals. Right. That like stresses me out having like too many, too many things yep. going on and feeling like you're not like because stuff slips through the cracks. Oh yeah. yeah. You're never going to convert all the leads, but when you excessively take too many and then you can't work any of them, it's just even a bigger problem. So um, I'm I'm in total agreement with that one, and that, that's really in line with what you said, Lindsay. So I got a couple others here. Anyone else got anything they wanted to add? All right. So stock prices of Compass and Redfin not doing well, right? Redfin peaked at 70 or no, $82.70 in 2021. 
You know where their stock is now? $5.62. They need to sell the company. That model's not going to work in the current climate. I've seen Redfin agents cost people money in transactions we have done because they compete on price. They think they're saving a little bit on the listing side. Then their agent, lack of skills, like no offers in hand, they bid above the asking price anyway. This happened on one of my listings last year. Um, Compass, the same thing. They had this IPO. I feel bad for the agents that took the Compass stock, by the way, because that was the instant. I couldn't imagine because I wouldn't have done that, but uh, that, that's me. But it, it's, I mean, it, it's worth nothing right now. It's like a $3 stock, and that company's, it's, it's, not, it's $3.02. They had a big rally because they were up from um, being down to $2 a couple weeks ago. So it, it's a problem. I mean, and, and these companies that continue to uh, burn cash, I, I, you know, the, the funny money's running out, and I think that's, that's going to be a big problem. And I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if both these companies get sold in the next six to six to twelve months because it's just not sustainable right now. They got investors; the investors want their money back. It, it's a problem. Um, they did. Uh, sorry, they rallied from a dollar eighty-five on Wednesday, November 9th, up to three dollars. So I guess it's a big day that they're up to three dollars now. I wonder what the rally was all about. I don't know. They had more investment. Yeah. Yeah, they had more more Saudi Arabian money that came in. Exactly. It'd be great. But and I I think the whole point is though, when you're trying to acquire talent through, hey, we're just gonna buy you. You know, it's it's like sports where like the the teams that spend heavy on free agents rarely does it work out for them. Instead of um, uh, tactical uh, tactical shopping, meaning you're bringing in the right person that's the right fit for the organization. When you're just buying everybody, like you're a football fan, right? Remember when the Eagles had the dream team and it blew up in their face like horribly wrong. Happens all the time, right? I think I lost Sarah on the Eagles Dream Team one. So, Wait, what year was that? oh, this was like, I don't know. It was well, Andy Reid was still here. It was a long time ago. So, yeah, it's okay. But but the point is though, I think that you know, it's I think companies are going to have more value by what they're bringing intangibly instead of just like throwing money at people. I don't I don't I think that's a bad business move. It's been talked about a lot, but both those companies are in a lot of trouble right now. I, I don't I don't see how they make it out of this. I mean, Redfin's got a good website, so they have that going. At least that's an asset. I think they focused a lot on the short term, but for like got about like the long term. Great point. So like if you're not, if you're only just focusing on the short term, like it'll be great for, you know, X amount of time. But then after that, you're going to plummet because you didn't stack what you needed to and get the skills and get what you needed to for the long term. Mm -hmm. Great point. All right. I got one more here. Zillow's iBuying program. Oh, yeah. What do you think about this one? Well, it's dead. So I guess it, I mean, it's not even getting any presents. It's it's done. They just sold the last house this week. Did they really? Yeah. I buying in general is tough right now. Open doors under a lot of fire too. I just don't, I don't these companies that make these blind purchases. I, I think wholesaling is tough in general, and that's what they're doing effectively. But if you're not looking at the properties, you're making a blind offer. Like how many? And a couple of us had blind offers come in from buyers. How often does it work out when the buyer doesn't see the home? Yeah, that that's a tough one. It, it has to be a client that really has to transact, and that's their only way to go about it, and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's it, that's a difficult one. And I don't know if they're totally fully blind. Like, do you, do they not go in or have a representative? But they inspect afterwards, and then the deal usually falls, falls apart, or they try Absolutely. to renegotiate it. Yeah. Yep. A lot of people on Santa's naughty list this year. Uh-huh. It's not good. <laughs> Anything else you guys want to add? I thought that was pretty comprehensive. I think we hit on a lot of great stuff here. I'm, I mean, this was a very festive segment. Yeah. Make sure I wear a light-up sweater or something. <laughs> All right. That's all we have for the naughty and nice list in real estate for 2022. We're going to come back, take a quick break, and we're going to talk about all about Lindsay Wark, killer first year in real estate, super grateful she's part of our organization, part of our team. 
This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. You shouldn't have to deal with all the red tape when getting your mortgage from a big or online bank. At Mortgage America, we have access to big bank money, but with the personalized and detailed service of a local bank. We are here in your community and ready to serve with fast settlements, low down payment options, and first-time homebuyer programs. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. For more information, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. I'm Tom Tool of the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. If you're thinking of becoming a real estate agent in the greater Philly area, I have a special offer for you. Our team did $165 million of volume in 2021, making us the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and a top 1% team nationally. Our agents love us because we offer them a successful career, a great life, and an unbeatable culture. Agents who've been with us for at least a year average 30-plus sales. Even our brand-new agents average 17 to 24 sales a year. We offer proven systems and expert training. We help you set more appointments and sell more houses. Now here's the offer. If you don't have a real estate license yet, we offer real estate scholarships so you can get one for free. Check it out at realestatescholarshipprogram.com or visit the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline at tomtool.com. That's tomtoolwithane.com. Get more out of your real estate career and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. All right, all right, all right. We are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time and she's Stacy Mitchell. We've got super agent, killer team member, Lindsey Wark in the house, and we've got Nick behind the camera, and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one team in Remax since 2018 in Pennsylvania. And we're streaming live every week on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. Make sure to follow, subscribe, stay in touch, and check out the stream every week. So we are here to talk all about our good friend, Lindsay Wark. She has had an amazing first 12 months in real estate, closing millions of dollars. You got the numbers ready. I can give them to you if you need them. Uh, so 18 transactions, over $8 million in volume, just under $9 million in 12 months, which would be a great year for anybody in real estate, let alone someone relocating here from out of the area. So if you want to follow Lindsay, it's at Lindsay with an A-Y at the end of Lindsay. People spell this wrong I all know. the time. It's, there's A's in both of my last names. Yeah. So it's Lindsay with an A and Wark with an A, yeah. not Wark with an O. But Lindsay underscore Wark on Instagram. So Lindsay, tell us about your background, how you got here, 
how you ended up down in the area, and we're going to focus all about you and your business. All right, awesome. So um, I went to Roger Williams University for college. I did marketing and global communications. Uh, when I graduated, I did a few different jobs, and then I stuck with, um, I always worked in retail, so I ended up being a visual merchandise manager um, for a company that, or I guess H&M, it doesn't matter if I say it or not. <laughs> I'm like, it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not that big. Um, so I did that for a while. Uh, then I met my husband, and we had a baby, so I decided to take off work. So I stopped working for the past or two years. Um, we were living up in Massachusetts at the time, um, and so my husband's from here, though. So he grew up in Broomall, um, and his family is all here. We ended up moving back, like, the week before COVID started, before we kind of knew everything was Great timing down. to meet some new people. Perfect time, perfect time to check out a new area. We ended up moving here. I think we had one night out with everybody, and then that was it. Like, two days after that, um, everything shut down. Oh, man. So, yeah, it was kind of crazy. I also was living with my in-laws when we moved down oh. here because we didn't have a place that, right away. So we moved in with them. We were helping take care of them, um, and it was pretty nuts. Uh, so we bounced around a little bit, and then I just could no longer stay home. I Props to stay-at-home mothers. Oh, my gosh. I... I was home for two years with him, and he is the love of my life, but oh my gosh, I had to go back to work. <laughs> so um, I'd, always <laughs> I'd always have a love of uh, real estate and, so, and, and sales and, and that, so I thought, why not take the jump and, and go for it? So that's when I got my real estate license and started doing the damn thing. Well, and, and you, you know, as soon as I met you the first time, I mean, I, I definitely, I could see, like, some people have, like, this, I, you can't even, like, describe it, but there, it, it's this, like, ability to connect with people and build relationships, and it, it's a skill. And not everyone has this skill, which I'm, I'm, obviously your results speak for themselves, and you definitely have the skill. Um, so, so what got you excited about real estate in the first place, though? I mean, I, I, your background is, is very similar to a lot of other people's, but, like, you said you always loved real estate. Tell us more about that. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think I even said this in our interview. Like, I was like, I stock Zillow all the time. Like, there's, I, at the time, I was like, there's no money in my bank account, but I am looking at, like, $4 million houses every day, thinking that it's absolutely possible that I am going to move into this house. Absolutely. Running the numbers, it could work. So I think I always just had that, like, love of it. I love working with people. So I love, like, the connections that I build with the families that I meet, um, you know, and going through that whole process of, of walking them through buying their dream home or buying their first home or, you know, whatever that is. Um, I love the relationships that I get to build from it. Um, so that was just kind of, that's what made sense for me to go to go into real estate. I love selling things, so why not, you know, instead of selling, you know, a handbag, let's sell yep. a house, you know? So... <laughs> Sometimes handbags have a bigger cash down payment than Sometimes houses. They I mean, do. So, Sometimes they do. So, I, I, and you know, the fact that you said it, you like people, this is a people business, first and foremost. Everyone thinks you need to know all about like houses and how they work. I could not disagree more with that. That is something you can learn very easily. What you can't learn how to do is connect with people on, on a real level. I think that's something some people, have you ever met the person like they couldn't, couldn't have a conversation with a brick wall? Like, you know, it's, and, but, they, but they, know, they know how to build a house. Like, it's so, I, I love that. Um, so, you had some tremendous success this year in a market that shifted pretty dramatically about halfway through. So what are some of the things that you did to keep yourself going? What do you attribute that to? I mean, I, I, there, there's, I, 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 know, I know what it is, but I think it's important for the people listening to understand all this. 
Um, I think one thing that I've always talked about, and I'm always working on, is my organization. Um, because, you know, my husband, he's an electrician. He owns his own electrical business. So he is wild all the time and really busy too. So our schedules are really weird. Uh, we have a three and a half year old son who's wild in and of himself. So just like tr needing to stay organized has been something that, you know, has been something that's flowed through every aspect of what I need to do and whether it's good some week and bad some others, it just is a learning curve. Um, but what was the beginning of that question? So, so getting organized, <laughs> one of the things that yeah. you, you've, you've kind of done to keep your business going. Yeah. And but I, building skills too. So I'm okay. trying to think of. I know there was more I was trying to say. Um, yeah. So like the skills. So like you said, I came into it. You know, not not knowing a lot about real estate and having to learn all of these skills. I mean, I go to every meeting. I don't have to come into the office. I love coming into the office because I have learned so much from it. I go to every meeting I can. I try to listen to podcasts. I try to like connect with people. I mean, if you look at who I follow on Instagram, it's all going to be just like other realtors who are doing amazing job. And I try to take from that. Um, and we're on an awesome team and you guys are totally, I mean, inspirations for sure. So I think just putting in the effort to know that you have to learn. I think a lot of people try to pretend that they're they're perfect and they know what they're doing and they don't want to ask questions. I have never been afraid to ask questions and I think that's really what's helped my business a lot. Well, you have a growth mindset. That's what that is. And and I, I, I as a new person coming into the business, I think there's there's like these different levels of learning. So the first you get here, you don't know anything, right? You don't know what you don't know. But then you start to learn some things, but you you know what you don't know. And then some people catch, they do a couple deals, and this is the trap for real estate agents, and tell me what you think. They, they get to like five or seven sales, right? And they're like, all right, I know what I'm doing now. I got this. And then they stop doing all the things that got them there in the first place, or you, you're still coming, you come to, she's literally at every meeting. I mean, I think that that's, and, 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 but it's a testament to you. And you don't always pick up a ton of new things, but if you get like one little piece here or there, it can go a long way. And instead of just stopping, you've continued to work on yourself. And that's why you're going to have, you know, have a bigger year next year. And I think that's really important. And all three of you guys come to a ton of trainings. I think that's, that's obviously evident. The other thing you said is getting organized. This is a good thing. You know why? Because you're either selling real estate or you're getting organized. Yeah. The most organized agents aren't the ones that sell the most real estate. Have you ever kind of picked up on that? <laughs> I can have that skill there. So I think that's, that's really, really smart. So, um, so tell us a little bit about you. So you mentioned Mav, um, that's your son, um, Rich, your husband. I mean, tell us a little bit about them and how like you've been able to like balance all that. Because I think it's tough being a mom, being a wife, and being a real estate agent. Sure. And moving to a whole new and, area. Yes, yes. And making all new friends and not knowing anyone. I mean, my in-laws have, have been great and have, you know, help out a lot with taking care of Maverick. But um, it's it's been an uphill journey. I don't, I think and my biggest problem is like trying to figure out okay what percentage of me is a mom today what percentage of me is um a real estate agent today what is a wife today and like those three things have been like some days you're just going to be more one than the other and that is perfectly fine and I think learning that it's perfectly fine I at first wanted to be a hundred percent for everything why couldn't I other people do it Okay, they don't. Like, that, 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 like very hot true. take, they don't. They are, it's not true. Like, that's just not it. Like, you look at people's lives on Instagram and everything looks perfect. Like, right. I'm sure my life looks perfect on Instagram. <laughs> it's very curated. But it's not. Like, I think I need to be more real because it is it is difficult. So trying to just, I think 
forgiving yourself a lot is something that like has been some like that I have to do. Like I have to understand that I'm not going to be Superwoman every single day, but I'm putting my hundred percent in. Um, and so that's just you know kind of where it is, and just understanding that, yeah, everyone life is crazy. <laughs> How refreshing is that to hear? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and you're like you're absolutely right that like there's each day you can only be so much of each part of what you are and you try to do the best you can with the part that you can give to that segment that day but like there's gonna be some days where like you kind of like failed at each section of like what you were trying to do 100% of and you just have to be like well tomorrow tomorrow for sure yeah yeah But I think um, going through it, too, I, I honestly wouldn't be able to do it all, like, without an amazing husband. Like, he just ha- is, like, my partner in crime, like, gets me through everything, you yeah. know? So I think having a supportive husband, especially in real estate, like, our jobs are crazy. Yeah. It's not a normal yeah. nine to five where, like, your spouse can, like, understand it. Um, so having that is has been huge as well. You have to have a supportive spouse in real estate. I don't think there's any, I think I've probably been the closest to death with mine after all the crap that I've put her through and, and rightly so. But I mean, I, I mean, do you guys feel any other way about that? I think that, that, that is such a good, uh, and, and it, you gotta be a team, right? I mean, it's, and being married is tough. Yeah. So, and a lot of people downplay that. Yeah. You have to be a team. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think like what can be a little bit tricky with real estate is things do pop up last minute. So you can try and like map out your days best that you can. And like, there will be things that, that pop up. So I guess like just as soon as that happens, being able to try and like get ahead of it and figure out like, can I still make this showing or do I need to reschedule this? Or like, can, you know, X chip in here? You know what I mean? Like just, um, you know, figuring out all of the, all the pieces. Do you think it helps your husband understand this because he's in business for himself as well? I think it definitely helps. I think he always like had a pretty good open mind with it and his, you know, he comes from a family of like owning businesses sure. and things like that. So, I think he always had a good understanding of it, but especially now, you know, we're able to relate to each other. You know, he relates to me, I relate to him. I understand how it is, you know. I'm like, "Okay, we'll make sure you follow up with them." You know, like all these yeah. stupid yeah. things. Love that. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, yeah, it's just um it's 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 fun. It's a wild ride, but it's fun. <laughs> yeah. What is funny, I feel like Tom, like, in different meetings will mention, like, protecting your own time and, like, Mm -hmm. you know, your spouse or your partner or whoever um, is going to get mad at you if you just, like, you know, are working all the time or, like, taking all these showings. And I'm like, Eric is always, like, go get back on the phone. Go take another appointment. Like, we'll all cover the baby. Go work, you know. (laughs) So I'm like, he's never like, no. (laughs) Have you met my wife? No. (laughs) Yes. I, but it's also different too. I think everyone's got to. You know, the point is though, my, my, it's not saying they're going to be mad. I'm saying it's not cool when you don't when you blow right, something you, off right, because you right. you and mess you don't up. Communicate about it. Yes. You know, communication. These are the mistakes I've made. So. In the and yeah. everything in relationships and business and life, communication over it all. That was one of your naughty and nice list items. So that's really good. So we got like a minute left here. Knowing what you know now, for someone thinking about getting into real estate. What advice do you have for him, or what would you, would you have done anything differently over the past year? And obviously, it's a loaded question. Yeah, twenty twenty. Uh, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Yeah, for sure. I think um, I hmm, I maybe would have wanted to go into it. I mean, I think everyone gets into real estate thinking it's going to be easy, or thinking that you know it's just going to be all highs, but like the lows can get pretty low too. So I think yeah. kind of 
maybe understanding that a little bit more would have helped my anxiety along the way starting out um, because it does take you know traction to get it going I think maybe you know if I had had more of a nest egg you know so you're not so stressed out in the beginning um, but once the ball rolls like don't don't stop that like I think that's like a huge thing is like when the the ball is rolling and you're doing really well you kind of we were just talking about this too like I have all these closes happening and I'm a little stressed but I want to like you know take your foot off the gas but as soon as you do that you're gonna lose your momentum so I think so many times throughout my first year I took my foot off the gas um, because I got a little overwhelmed and maybe I wasn't you know being as organized with my time as I should be um, or things like that so there were those moments where I went a couple months or so you know without getting a paycheck and that I think I would have just kept my foot on the gas that's great advice. Um, and I, I, you know what, what's exciting to me is you know this now. Think about what's going to happen this year. Imagine what, what's going to happen now that you know all this because you're ready to go and you're in action. I think that's the exciting part. Is you, it's, it's constant build. It's not like it's, okay, well, I did this. I can't move up. I can't, I can't raise the ceiling. That, that's the really exciting part about this job here. So that's good stuff. Well, if you want to follow Lindsay, it's at Lindsay underscore Wark on Instagram. I got to tell you, we are super grateful to have you part of the organization. I don't think we tell you this enough. I, I, at least I try to, but maybe don't do a great job. You've been a great part of the team here, and we are looking forward to even more success in 2023. Uh, that's it for this week's episode. We're out of here. So you want to follow Sarah. She's at Ty underscore Ty Time. You can follow Stacy at the number two Mitchco on Instagram. You can follow me at TomTool3RD at TomTool3rd. And again, we are live every week. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. Thanks for tuning in to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM.